Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, so that you may be able to withstand on that evil day, and having done everything, to stand firm. And now, battle ready with Father Dan Rehill. Good day. Welcome to Battle Ready. Let's begin with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. My God, I believe, I adore, I hope, and I love thee, and I ask pardon for those who do not believe, do not adore, do not hope, and do not love thee. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So it is Monday, so my mom is back. Hello, Mom. Hello. Good morning. Good morning. So do you know... How's your weather down there? Um, it's hot. It's always hot here. <laughs> We're already into our cooling trend in the 70s. It's no 82. Rain. It's going to 92. Uh, it's, still, it's still hot. Still summer. Mm-hmm. Um, so, do you know what you're doing 57 years ago today? Yes, I do. What was that? <laughs> you were being baptized. <laughs> That's right. We, they baptized kids much quicker back then. Oh, yes. We, we didn't take a baby out anywhere until they were baptized, just so in case something would happen. So I was born on a Wednesday, August 4th, and then three Sundays later, I was baptized. It's pretty quick. Yes, yes. Uh, and uh, in those days, the mother was not allowed to go to the church, would you believe? Well, not that they weren't allowed. Um, it was much a bigger deal. You stayed in the hospital five days for starters. Whereas today you come home much quicker, like in two days. And then uh, they thought the mother needed to rest or whatever. And the the godparents and the father took the baby to church, which is, you know, as I look back on it now, it's too bad I wasn't there. But I was at home and um, then we had a, you know, we had a meal for everybody that came. And yes, that was the day. Wow. So interesting. It's also the passion of John the Baptist. Yes, you do land on days, don't you? I do. <laughs> First it's for, for, uh, John Vianney, then it's John the Baptist. A okay, so you had days. commented to me uh, when I was talking about contemplative prayer last week or the week before that you, you wanted to go a little further into that. Yes. So is that what you want to talk about today? Yes. Yeah, okay. I, uh, I have more to add to that. Uh, I, I It kind of triggered me when you were talking about it that uh, it's, it's such an important way to pray um just such an important way to pray today it is so uh, i won't repeat what anything that you said but i will just put a little more with it so just an overview contemplative prayer is setting ourselves apart for a time and leaving everything behind and resting in the lord and i think people aren't used to this kind of praying uh, especially because we have so much going on around us these days that sitting in the quiet is a little difficult. It was difficult for me too in the beginning because I was thinking I would sit there for 20 minutes and nothing would happen. I wouldn't hear anything. And I would think to myself, you know, I could have done a rosary in that time. Uh, I could have gotten something done. That that was my mentality. And so uh, it's different than other kinds of prayers. So it's not instead of other kind of prayers, but in addition to. So, uh, God will lead this prayer. The other prayers, like the rosary and the chaplets and the litanies, we do the leading. We decide what prayers to say. We decide how long we'll pray. We decide who we'll pray for. So it's a lot of us. 
contemplative prayer is all about receiving, not about giving and doing. It's done in the silence. And in this silence, we grow in our relationship with God. It's kind of like sitting in the sun at the beach and getting a suntan, even though you don't know what's happening. It's, it's kind of like that in the spiritual world. You're sitting with the Lord, and even if you don't uh, sense anything going on, you're still getting a suntan. <laughs> so <clears throat> what we, you're hoping to do is to get to know the voice of God and the voice of the Holy Spirit. And it takes time and you need to be patient. So we're living in very special times right now. Everything that they talk about, they'll say it's unprecedented. The weather is unprecedented, whatever. That's the word you hear over and over again. And I would say the world is very dark because of sin. And there's a lot of noise, a lot of confusion all around us. And so more than ever, it's important for us to set ourselves aside and sit with the Lord. God doesn't want us to be in the dark because we're children of the light. In silence, we get to learn to hear him and to know him better. Psalm 46.10 says, Be still and know that I am God. So it's, it's an awareness of the presence of God within us. And in order to, get, to do this, you need to let go of all your worries and all your burdens. Leave everything behind and just sit with Jesus or, or any member of the Blessed Trinity. Hosea 2.14 says, Behold, I will allure her and bring her into the wilderness and speak tenderly to her. So God wants to speak to our hearts. He doesn't really necessarily want to speak to our minds. He wants our hearts. So <clears throat> this is all about the heart. And in Ejigori, Our Lady asks us to pray with the heart. So when you visit someone, you don't do all the talking. You talk and then you listen. There's a back and a forth. So I would say that most of the time we do all the talking with our Lord. And like you said with Eleanor, God does want to have a voice here too. So I'm going to compare it to I used to work for a lawyer. <clears throat> and I showed up every day. Some days the lawyer was in the office and we got things done. Some days he would be in court or he'd be away on a trip. I still showed up because sometimes he would call and he would need something done. So it's kind of like that with contemplative prayer and with Jesus. I need to show up whether I feel his presence or not. And I need to be available and waiting because maybe he wants to say something. And I would say the hardest part is the waiting. So <clears throat> any comments, Father? Yeah, well, that's the problem is that particularly in today's culture, people don't like to wait because we've been conditioned to get everything immediately. And so that will be the biggest hurdle for people that want to try to do this is being still, being quiet. That's another thing that's rare these days uh, and waiting. So those three things go against the culture. So the first time you go to do this, <clears throat> you might find yourself incredibly uncomfortable. Yes. However... Um, as I tell people when they go to adoration, you know, um, like you were telling me how uh, my brother Brian brings his three children to adoration, and initially he didn't he didn't explain or give them anything to do, and so for, ch for little children to sit for an hour in silent adoration is incredibly, I would think, taxing because 
They're not used to sitting still to begin with when there's nothing coming at them. So, you know, then he's, I think he started telling them they could pray the rosary, they could do this, they could do the stage of the cross. And, uh, and for a kid, that, that helps fill up the time. But the first time you go to adoration as an adult, I tell people, go for 15 minutes, but don't do anything. Just sit there and you, uh, in your mind and heart, you can just, you know, tell the Lord what's on your heart. And then you ask him to tell you what's on his and eventually you can build up to an hour. And now for me, an hour goes by like 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. It goes very quickly. But you have to you have to work at it. Yeah. <clears throat> well, <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> so as you said last week, uh, when you were talking about this, it's uh, to recap, it's good to begin with praise and then to go into gratitude and then to pick a person of the Trinity, and then to just pour out your heart to that person, Father, Son, or Spirit, and ask him to share his heart with you. And then it's the waiting and being patient, and, and to get comfortable with the quiet and the silence. It takes a, and then thoughts will come. Thoughts will come about what you're gonna have for dinner tonight, all different kinds of thoughts. And what somebody told me once, it's like, uh, you're sitting and looking out at the ocean and ships come and the thought is a ship. And what you do is instead of engaging with it, just let it go. Let it pass by. Another thought comes, just let it go. And eventually you'll get better at that too. So uh, you can begin. Uh, what I like to begin with is uh, 1 Samuel 3 for verse 9. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Or sometimes I do the uh, the readings of the day in the morning. And if something jumps out at me and speaks to my heart, I'll begin maybe with that line. So then as you sit there in the quiet, perhaps a thought comes into your mind uh, or a scripture or a song or maybe an image. So as Father said last week, bring your journal with you and write it down. And then you can begin to dialogue with the Lord about whatever he's saying to you. So um, I give you a little personal experience of when I started to do this. It was quite a long time ago. And I was sitting for 20 minutes every day and nothing was happening. And I, as I said, I thought I could have at least done a rosary. So in order to be though, I call myself a can-do person, but in order to be that, you have to be a receiver first and then you can do. So I persisted. Uh, I was very determined to try this, and I, I kept doing it. Weeks passed by. Nothing happened. So I belonged to a prayer group, and we had small groups. And at the end of the meeting, we always prayed over each other. And this particular night, a young girl got an image of a rocking chair on a front porch for me. And I didn't know what that meant, so I asked her, and she said, well, take it to prayer. She goes, that's all I got. Well, I thought about it, and I thought, I I really do love front porches, and I've never had one. But the only porch I could remember was my grandmother's house. She had a very big wraparound porch, and I loved her very much. And when she had that house, I was about five years old. So I went into my 20-minute prayer time with the Lord, and I was picturing this rocking chair on my grandmother's porch. And suddenly, in my mind... God the Father swooped into the picture and sat down in the rocker. 
And it's very interesting because I had no relationship with God the Father at that time. Jesus, yes. The Father, no. And I knew it was the Father. He had white hair, but he did not look old. He was virile looking. This is all in my mind's eye. And then he motioned for me to come to him. And I knew I was to come alone because I was a five-year-old child. And a child always comes alone. When I went to prayer time, I took all my family with me, all the people I was praying for. It was always a crowd. But I knew that God wanted me to come alone. So he began speaking to me, and it was a whole new way of praying. And it kind of opened opened the floodgates. I began to look forward to that time of prayer every day. And he showed up every day for quite a long time. Uh, and he uh, he just filled me with joy. He talked to me about me and uh, things that were going on in my life. Now, he does not speak to me every day now. And that was kind of the honeymoon period. And some days he talks to me now and other days he does not. But again, it's, it's the discipline of showing up and... Um, You're just there every day in case he wants to talk to you. St. Therese, the little flower, in her book, uh, her biography, she uh, said that she offered herself to Jesus as a toy ball and that some days he played with her and some days he left her alone in a corner. And that was fine with her. Uh, She wished only to amuse the child Jesus and let him do with her as he wished. So... um, that was, that was the beginning of a, a whole new way of praying for me. So Jesus said about Martha and Mary, Mary has chosen the better part, listening at the feet of Jesus. So contemplative prayer is the better part. Now, later on, Mary met Jesus at the tomb. He looked like a gardener, but she knew the voice because she had spent time listening. So we're getting to know God's voice when we sit and, and we're with him. Uh, the story about the voice is we were, my husband and I were in Florida one time on a trip with cousins of ours. And uh, she got a call that her mother was dying and she had to rush home. And I was in prayer and I, the, the voice that I knew screamed at me to go home with them. And my husband said, well, we have a couple more days here. Why do we have to go home? I said, you know, the voice told me we have to go home. So we came home and there was no, apparently no reason for us to come home. Nothing ever happened. And then I went back into prayer, and I actually took it to a, a nun that was a spiritual director. And I said, how did I get that so wrong? And she said, God doesn't scream at you. That wasn't God. So, okay, now I learned something else, that the enemy came in here. And I'm getting to know the difference in the voices. But that's a good thing. You know, don't think of it as a scary thing. It's You need to know it. Um, so I would never be tricked that way again because I know the voice now. And I know that God always is always, he really is very kind to me. So it's a learning. It's an experience of that too. And again, it was, it was worth the lesson, even though, you know, we cut short our vacation. Any thoughts on that, Father? Yeah, you know, it's hard to discern voices, particularly our own. Our own voice can get kind of woven into what we hear frequently in our thoughts. So um, that takes a while, you know. I always use the example of Peter. He heard from God the Father, then he heard from Satan. He couldn't discern who was who. Um, 
I remember when I was in a, uh, an intercessor, we frequently, like weekly, we had prayovers with the brothers. We pray over each other, and I was in a period where I was not getting along with a particular brother at all. And during the prayover for me, he said, um, "Oh, I have the image of your soul as the exploding Death Star in Star Wars." And I, Father John Paul said, uh, "That's not from the Lord, Paul Marie." <laughs> <laughs> You know, I was like, oh, that's horrible. Thank you. Yeah. But, yeah, you can get clouded. Your own emotions can get involved. So, uh, But that's the good thing about, you know, if you're going to God, seeking him out, he will always come to you with gentleness and compassion. Always. Always, always, always. Because you know, you're coming with a sincere heart trying to you know, make contact with him. Now, there are occasions, maybe when you're not seeking the Lord, where he can show up more abruptly. You know, and that's like Saul. Why are you persecuting me? You know, that wasn't that wasn't a warm, fuzzy statement Jesus made, but he had to get Saul's attention in order that he would come around. So if you're running away from God or disobeying God or in, you know, persistent grave sin, the Lord might send you know, um, uh, something into your life to get your attention that might not be very warm and fuzzy and comfortable, but that's because of his his radical love for you. He wants to pull you out of this very dangerous situation to your soul. But never if you go to him, if you're initiating contact to him, he's always going to reply with uh, compassion and kindness. So I guess we can say at this point, there are three different voices. There's the voice of God. There's the voice of the devil. And there's your own voice. Right. And so those are the three you have to discern. Correct. Now, uh, you know, it's quite obvious in, in my example that it was it was the enemy. And there's God's voice. And the hardest one is ourselves. Because we're writing in our journal and, you know, we're wondering, is this me or is this God? Well, I think in the end, God will confirm something he gives to you. You might meet somebody that will say the same thing later in the day. He want, he wants you to get to know him. So he's going to, uh, he'll confirm, uh, you know, and, and get you used to his voice too. But it is a process. Yeah. So now to the logistics of it, I find it's best to have a set time and place each day. If I have to decide every day when and where I'm going to sit down and do this, it's going to get put off to later, later, later uh, for me. So I think it's best to get a set time. So what time you have to say is generally best for you? Are you a morning person? Are you better later on at night? Um, what about your work and your obligations? When is the house quiet or busy? So after you pick a time, you have to pick a place. So you want some place where you're not going to be disturbed. And you want to maybe bring a crucifix or a holy picture into that place, maybe a candle. Uh, I think it's good to sprinkle holy water as you begin. Bless yourself with it. And I would say to start with only 15 or 20 minutes. Don't try and do more than that. Mm-hmm. Bring your journal and your Bible. And, you, you know, if you're meeting with him every day, you can bring things that happened to you since the last time you sat with him and discuss them with him. Uh, that's a beautiful thing to do. Um, you know, something that happened, something that you read that you want to ask them about uh, maybe it's a scripture reading that you don't understand or whatever but it's 
you could all those things that maybe just would pass by if you weren't sitting in contemplative prayer, you can now bring to him. So it's holy ground. You're drawing near to the fire, the fire of love, and uh, it's well worth the effort that you put into it. Um, and, you know, if you, if, you're, if you don't have a good relationship with the Father, Son, or Holy Spirit, you might want to start with Our Lady. I find she's easier to approach because she's such a mother figure. Um, so that would be a possibility too. And she's going to bring you to Jesus anyway, when you're ready. So I think of it as, uh, you know, how God walked in the garden with Adam and Eve in the beginning. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that's how he intended it to be, that he would always be there with us until the first sin. So I think of this time of day as me walking with God in the garden again and having, the, having his ear and being able to talk to him about a number of things. So um, I hope you'll try it and um, see see how it is. I started doing this when my children were still at home. So I got up an hour earlier in the morning so that the house was quiet. And that worked very well. And now there's no need for me to do it. But it's such an ingrained habit that I still get up an hour early and have my time like that. So I think it's important. It is important. And, and think of all the, the teachings that come out of this and the, um, well, I had such a diverse amount of prayers and poems and even songs. Um, one year on the Feast of St. Mark, I, I was in the chapel for hours. He, the Lord gave me a whole play that we, the brothers put on for the sisters. It was like a, a 35 minute play. Uh, so there's all sorts of things that you can get through this kind of prayer. Um, and it's interesting, you know, today when I was walking uh, past the sacristy, those doors to go outside where there's the, the statue of St. Michael, and I was walking past the doors to get to the sacristy, I looked out and the St. Michael st statue looked like it was just uh, completely filled with light, like it was a ball of light surrounding the statue. And, you know, I kind of went into the church to start my... my um, office of readings and thought oh i wonder if i just kind of you know did i really see that or was that kind of just an optical illusion or something i don't know and i started thinking this and then i start praying the office of readings and the second psalm that comes up it said um lord let the light of your countenance shine on your servant and as soon as i prayed it i had the image of saint michael with the light beaming out of him and i thought oh Okay, so that was really happening. Yeah, that's perfect. That's how he, the Lord works. Like suddenly he'll just anoint a, a word or a scripture that confirms something that you've just, he's shown you. Exactly, yeah. Exactly, right? And it happens all the time once you get used to it. Yeah, and it makes you more attentive the rest of the day for those little moments. So your ears are kind of listening yeah. for, that, for those moments. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's exciting, actually. It can be. It can also be overwhelming. I have a, a friend who uh, gets so much that, uh, I mean, I, I couldn't imagine because she gets so much. Everything has a, a symbol attached to it, and uh, it's just amazing. But well, it's not a bad thing. It's just if, if no one starting out would get that because they wouldn't know what to do with it. But uh, over time, things can expand and grow. Yeah, beautiful. So I thought we'd end with Our Lady's latest message from Mid-Gloria. Sure. August 25th. Dear children, 
God permits me to be with you and lead you on the way of peace so that through personal peace, you build peace in the world. I am with you and intercede for you before my son, Jesus, that he may give you a strong faith and hope in a better future, which I desire to build up with you. You be courageous and do not be afraid because God is with you. Thank you for having responded to my call. Well, she says we're going to have a better future. Well, it, yes, it can't get much worse. <laughs> so I suppose have, it could, but we need strong faith and hope, and we're going to have a courage. Better, uh, courage is God. fortitude. <laughs> Thank you for coming on. Thank you for this topic. Uh, wonderful to have you back on today. Thank you. Uh, may the Lord bless you and keep you, and may His light shine upon you. And I bless you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. This is Father Dan signing out. 